1: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Money Girl Podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert and award-winning author who's been writing and hosting this show since 2008. My most recent book, if you haven't gotten your hands on it yet, it's titled Debt-Free Blueprint. How to Get Out of Debt and Build a Financial Life You Love. You can find it as a paperback, ebook, or audiobook anywhere books are sold, such as Amazon, iBooks, and Audible.com. If you are ready for more knowledge, resources, and motivation to manage your money the best way possible and to create a richer life, You are in the right place. Thanks for coming back to the show. If you're a longtime listener, you know that I really try to make each episode like a mini training session. And today is no different. We're going to talk about a wide variety of business topics that can save you money. And if you're new to the show, I am very, very happy that you're here and I hope you'll stick around by subscribing. You will always find the notes for each and every show plus the full archive of podcasts over in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. In today's show, I'm going to review seven ways that having a small business or even a solo venture saves you money. You're going to learn legitimate money-saving tax deductions and some strategies that reduce both of your business expenses and your personal expenses. I'm also going to cover some tax changes that affect small businesses due to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, that is tax reform that went into effect starting in 2018. And, you know, there are a lot more than seven ways that you benefit financially from being self-employed or working in the on-demand economy, but I'm going to cover the ones that save me the most money and are probably the most common If you're a solopreneur or you run a business with a few employees or contractors. So no matter if you already have a business or you're thinking about becoming a freelancer or independent contractor one day, you're going to get a lot of good information and perhaps some reminders about more ways to save from this show. So be sure to stay with me. This is episode number 606 called 7 Ways Having a Small Business Saves Big Money. I'm a big proponent of working for yourself or even having a side gig if you've got a day job. And I would say if you've already got a business or maybe you're thinking about becoming self employed or doing something on the side, you are in great company. Listen to this. According to the Small Business Administration, there are more than 30 million small businesses in the United States. And by official measures, a small business is any independent venture that employs fewer than 500 workers. And surprisingly, small businesses make up 99% of all businesses in the United States. That's because there's only about... 20,000 large businesses, which have 500 or more workers. And what's really interesting about small businesses is that the vast majority of them, 85%, have no employees. And the Census Bureau calls this category of businesses non-employer businesses because they don't have any employees. But the nickname that's stuck recently for these one-person ventures that you're going to hear me talk about is solopreneur. And as consumers, we rely on these millions of solopreneurs and small businesses for a variety of goods and services. Additionally, running your own full or part-time venture comes with a lot of financial advantages. And so that's what I'm going to focus on today. You know, how do you benefit from actually having a business? I mean, obviously, you're making income, hopefully, from that venture, but there's more to the story. So we're going to go into a lot of detail about seven money-saving deductions and strategies. And the first one is business expenses. And so that one's kind of obvious because there are a variety of business deductions that you can claim no matter if you're a solo entrepreneur with no employees, a part-time freelancer, or you own a large corporation, business tax deductions were created to help entrepreneurs, all of them, you know, no matter, again, if it's a small company or a large company, manage the cost of running a profitable business. Now, to be deductible, the IRS says that an expense must be both ordinary and necessary. For your trade or business. So, I'm going to go through some common deductions for small businesses and solopreneurs. If you do have employees, employee salaries and benefits can be a really big deduction. Now, if you pay yourself a salary, you can't deduct your own salary, but any other employee salaries and benefits are a business expense. Labor, also that you may pay to an independent contractor or a freelancer. And if you pay any of them more than $600 per year, you're required to issue them a 1099, and it's the 1099 MISC, which stands for miscellaneous. You can deduct professional fees like legal and accounting work. Also rent, let's say you've got to rent an office space or maybe you rent some equipment. Interest on funds that you borrow for real estate and for business operations are also deductible, and there are limits if you have very high annual revenue from your business. Taxes that you pay to federal, state, local, foreign authorities are deductible. Equipment like computers, printers, phones, office supplies, you know, all the paper, postage, filing cabinets, marketing costs and continuing education and again this is not a complete list of all the possible deductions that you may have so be sure to either check out the irs publication number 535 called business expenses for more information or check with an accountant you know if you've got a lot of questions about what types of expenses are deductible in general you can't deduct the full amount of your personal or living expenses however If you have some costs that are both personal and business, let's say you've got a vacation and it's combined with an industry conference that you attend in Hawaii, you can deduct a portion of that trip that's used for business. Keep listening and I'll talk more about travel expenses. All right, the second way you save money when you have a business is if you have home office expenses. So If you use a part of your home for business, you may be allowed to deduct a variety of expenses by claiming the home office tax deduction. Now, if you qualify, this is a very valuable tax break that you do not want to miss. Before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the home office deduction was available to both employees and the self-employed who work from home. But The law eliminated the deduction for employees because it removed miscellaneous deductions from Schedule A, which is where you would list all of your itemized deductions on your tax form. So that's where workers used to include home office deductions up to a certain limit. So if you're an employee who works from home, you are no longer allowed to claim a home office deduction starting with the 2018 tax year. But the good news is that those who are self-employed can still claim the home office tax deduction. Let's say you freelance, you're a contractor, you run a small business, you can claim the deduction using Schedule C. That's the form that's called profit or loss from business. And that's the same way you would claim this deduction as before tax reform. If you're self-employed, you can claim a home office deduction no matter if your venture is full-time, part-time, if you own your home, or if you rent your home. You don't need to have a special business license or anything out of the ordinary to claim valid deductions for your home office. But there are two basic requirements that you and your home office must meet to be eligible for the deduction. The first is called exclusive use. That requires you to use a specific part of your home for your business consistently. So it could be a spare bedroom. Um, it, you know, it could be just a corner of a room where you have a desk, some specific area that you use consistently for business. And the second requirement, it's called principal place of business. This requires you to use your home as your primary location where you conduct business. So, you know, if you've got a physical office somewhere else and you just happen to work from home a little bit, that wouldn't be considered primary. But if you do the majority of your work from home, you know, maybe you go to a coffee shop a little bit or you meet clients out uh, for a little bit of your work, that's okay. But as long as your home is your principal place where you do your work, that will meet the requirement. And as I mentioned, your business could be part-time. If you've got a full-time job at, let's say, another company, and you work on your business from home in the evenings and weekends, you're still qualified for the home office deduction, as long as you meet these two requirements for exclusive use and the principal place of business. The types of home office expenses that you can claim fall into two main categories, which are direct and indirect expenses. So let me explain. Direct expenses are for your home office only. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you create an office in your spare bedroom by painting the room, installing some new carpet, and maybe purchase a desk. All of those direct expenses for your office are 100% deductible. But the best part about claiming the home office deduction is that it turns some of your everyday costs which are personal and these are known as your indirect expenses into business write-offs. So these are expenses that you're going to have even if you didn't have a home office such as your rent, mortgage interest payments, property taxes, insurance, maintenance, cleaning, utilities, garbage disposal, etc. Now to clarify expenses that are unrelated to your home office such as adding a pool or remodeling other parts of your home those are never deductible because they don't have anything to do with your home office and no matter where you work when you're self-employed your business expenses such as those I covered in the previous tip those are always fully deductible so your indirect home office expenses are partially deductible based on the size of your office, but it depends on how you calculate the deduction. So I'm gonna make this really easy for you. The IRS allows you to choose one of two calculation methods when you're talking about how much to claim for your home office. The first is called the standard home office deduction. So this is one, this is the original method, and it requires you to determine the percentage of your home that you use for business. And so you take the square footage of your office and you divide that by the square footage of your entire home. That percentage gets applied to your indirect expenses, such as utilities, insurance, and maintenance. For example, let's say your office is 10% of your home. If you have a $100 power bill for your entire home, 10% of it would be a deductible expense, where $10 would be deductible and $90 would be considered a personal expense. So for the standard home office deduction, you're always looking at what is the percentage of your home used for business, you apply that percentage to those indirect expenses. Now, there was a second way to calculate this that was added several years ago, uh, and it's called the simplified home office deduction. This is truly simplified. What it does is give you $5 per square foot of your office area up to a maximum of 300 square feet. So that caps your deduction at $1,500, which is 300 square feet times $5. So that's the maximum that you could claim for your home office. You get to choose the method that gives you the biggest tax break for any year. And in general, if your home office is large, you're going to come out ahead using the standard method. You figure up your total expenses, and you can use Form 8829 called Expenses for Business Use of Your Home and file that with Schedule C. And by the way, all of these IRS forms that I'm mentioning for you, they're going to be linked up in the notes for the show, which are in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. Now, if you've got a smaller home office, or let's say you just don't like to do any record keeping, using the simplified method is gonna work for you. All you do is include that number on Schedule C. And if you're not sure which method would save you the most in taxes, you've gotta calculate both or consult with a qualified tax accountant. I will say when it comes to business deductions getting professional advice can definitely help you make the most of your potential home office and your potential business deductions each year. All right, let's talk about the third way you can save money when you have a business. This is vehicle expenses. If you're self-employed and you own or lease a personal vehicle that you also drive for your business, you can deduct expenses based on mileage. You've got to keep detailed records of your trips so that you can allocate business versus personal miles driven. However, if you've got a vehicle that you only use for business, you can deduct all of its costs. The IRS allows you to choose two different calculation methods for the business vehicle deduction. The first is called actual expenses. And that's what it is. It requires you to track All of your auto expenses. So, this might include gas, tires, maintenance, insurance, lease payments, loan interest, depreciation, registration fees, taxes, parking, tolls, you know, everything related to operating your vehicle. And you can deduct a portion of those expenses based on your percentage of business use. For instance, if 10% of your total annual miles driven are for business in a given year, you could deduct. 10% of your vehicle expenses. So just like with the home office deduction, that's gonna require the most record keeping and uh, is a little bit more complicated. Just like with the home office deduction, with the vehicle deduction, there is a simplified way to handle it. And that's called the standard mileage rate. So this method requires you to just use a set mileage cost per mile. And it typically changes, goes up a little bit each year. For 2019, the rate for business use of a vehicle is 58 cents per mile. So let's say you drove 1,000 miles annually for business purposes. Your vehicle deduction would be $580, so 1,000 miles times 0.58. Now, when you use this standard rate, you cannot also deduct your actual vehicle expenses. You've got to choose one method or the other. However, if you have an auto loan, you can still deduct the portion of interest that represents your business use of the vehicle. You can also deduct parking fees and tolls in addition to the standard mileage rate. So those are just a few exceptions that you do get to claim in addition to that standard mileage rate. Now, which is better? Well, in general, the more expensive your vehicle is to operate, the better off you're going to be using the actual cost method. If you've got a more economical vehicle, you're going to come out ahead using the standard mileage deduction. You can track your vehicle business mileage with a very simple method like a paper log or even a note on your phone. However, there are some great apps such as MileIQ, that's one of my favorites, which automatically records your vehicle movement. And so every time you take a trip, the app is going to prompt you to, to say, is this business? Is this personal? And so you're kind of keeping up with it as you go, and it's recording your actual miles driven. That can make record keeping for the vehicle deduction a whole lot easier. And if you want to learn more about this, check out IRS publication number 463. It's called Travel, Entertainment, Gift, and Car Expenses. That's going to have a lot more information about this deduction. Or again, consult with a qualified tax accountant because, guys, this stuff gets complicated and, you know, you're not expected to know all of the ins and outs of the law.
0: Picture this. You're on a John Deere compact tractor, enjoying the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. You just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The
1: fourth way that being self-employed as a solopreneur or small business owner saves you money. And the fourth way is insurance expenses. The cost of various insurances are deductible when you're self-employed. These might include policies for business liability, business interruption, errors and omissions, malpractice, property, cyber theft, vehicles. There's a lot of different types of business insurance. But another common expense is health insurance. So if you purchase health insurance for yourself and your dependents, on your own, it is not an allowable business expense. Instead, you can deduct premiums on your personal tax return. So if you're not eligible to participate in a health plan through your employer or your spouse's employer and you get insurance on your own, remember that you can deduct those premiums and you do it on Schedule 1 of Form 1040. All right, the fifth way that having a business saves money that I talked about a little bit earlier is travel and meal expenses. So going out of town on business for more than one day is a deductible expense when you're self-employed. You can write off the full cost of airfare, ground transportation, and lodging. However, meals are handled differently. They are only deductible up to 50%. So remember that meals get a little bit different treatment. And tax reform made a big change where this is involved. Tax reform eliminated the deduction for business entertainment. So you can no longer, you know, take somebody to a ball game or go to some event on business. However, you can still claim half of the cost of meals if you purchase food or beverages during a recreational event that's for business and just like with other types of deductions it's really important to keep good records and receipts and as i previously mentioned if you extend a business trip into a personal holiday you can deduct a portion of expenses based on the percentage of time you spend on the business while you're away that's an easy way to save money when work takes you to a destination where you want to spend extra time for a personal vacation And the sixth way that having a business saves money is retirement plan contributions. A lot of people think that if you're self-employed, that that's a disadvantage when it comes to saving for retirement. And if that's what you think, I definitely want you to change your thinking. There are some fantastic retirement plans designed just for small business owners and solopreneurs. Just like more familiar workplace plans like the 401k and the 403b, retirement accounts for the self-employed give you or you and your employees, if you have them, a lot of money-saving tax benefits. Not only do retirement accounts help you accumulate a nest egg, they also allow you to keep more of your hard-earned money by reducing your taxes. When you invest pre-tax money in a traditional retirement account, the way that you save money is by avoiding paying taxes on both your contributions and the growth in the account until the funds are withdrawn. So you're really deferring taxes until some point in the future you may also have the option to choose a roth retirement account those do require you to pay taxes up front but they allow tax free withdrawals later on So having a Roth means that you avoid paying tax on perhaps decades of earnings in the account, and that could really add up to some massive savings. Remember that with most retirement plans, taking withdrawals before age 59 and a half typically means you're subject to income tax plus an additional 10% early withdrawal penalty. So it's important that you don't put money in a retirement plan that you might need for everyday living expenses. And there are a variety of retirement accounts that you can choose from when you work for yourself. Let me talk about a few that are my favorites. A SEP IRA, and SEP stands for Simplified Employee Pension. This is a traditional IRA for anyone who is self-employed, with or without employees. You could be a sole proprietor, partnership, or even a corporation. I use a SEP IRA because it's super easy and inexpensive to administer. With a SEP IRA, Contributions can only come from an employer. So if you've got employees, they can never contribute their own money. So as the business owner, you choose the amount to contribute each year. For 2019, you can make SEP IRA contributions up to 25% of compensation or net earnings for a maximum of $56,000. And you can also max out other accounts, including a traditional or a Roth IRA and a retirement plan with another employer, such as a 401k or 403b, if you have a job that offers those. But if you have a bad year with your company and you don't have enough profit, you can choose not to make any contributions to your SEP IRA. Another good choice is a solo 401k. This is a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k for anyone who is self-employed with no employees. You can have a spouse as an employee, but that's it. So as both the employer and the employee in your own business, you can make both kinds of contributions to a one-participant 401k account. For 2019 on the employee side of a solo 401k, you can contribute as much as 100% of your salary up to 19,000 or up to 25,000 if you're over age 50. Plus, as your own employer, you can contribute up to 25% of compensation if your total contributions don't exceed either $56,000 or 62,000 if you're over age 50. So as you can see, these give you some pretty high annual contribution limits. And as a self employed person, you can still have an IRA or a Roth IRA. These accounts are for anyone with earned income. However, there are income limits to qualify for a Roth IRA. So high earners may become ineligible for them, but that's not the case for a traditional IRA. For 2019, you can contribute a total of $6,000 or $7,000 if you're over age 50 to either one type or both types. You could split it up. You could have $3,000 to a traditional IRA and $3,000 to a Roth IRA. If you need help setting up a retirement plan for your business, or maybe you're just not sure how to use multiple retirement plans properly, be sure to contact a qualified tax accountant. The rules can get a little sticky, so paying a professional to help you maximize your tax benefits and your retirement accounts will definitely pay off. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the different types of retirement accounts, I created a pretty handy resource that many of you have downloaded. If you haven't received it, this is the retirement account comparison chart. If you'd like to get it, simply text the word retire, R-E-T-I-R-E, to the number 33444, and you can get a very nice one-page reference sheet. All right, the last way to save money when you have a business that we're going to cover is called the Qualified Business Income Deduction. This is a significant change for small businesses that came with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. This deduction allows owners of pass-through businesses, and pass-through businesses include sole proprietorships, partnerships, and S-corporations and allows them to deduct 20% of their income. To qualify for 2019, you must have taxable income below $157,500 as an individual, or twice that much, $315,000 if you file taxes jointly. If your income falls under these limits, 20% 20% is not taxed. So this was a great benefit. However, there are some professionals, such as doctors and attorneys, who are subject to higher income thresholds that they've got to meet before this qualified business income deduction kicks in. Tax reform changed the way tax is calculated for most taxpayers, so even if you're not self-employed, be sure to review your federal and your state tax withholding. It's a good idea to review that because that would help you avoid a surprise tax bill and a potential penalty. I hope this has helped you learn a little bit more about ways that you can use a business to save money. And if you've got a money question or an idea for a future show topic, I'd love to hear it. We've got a great voicemail line. If you'd like to call in, just call 302-364-0308 to leave your message Or you can email me by visiting my contact page at lauradadams.com. Be sure to join me next week when I'm going to answer a voicemail question about how to know if it's better to save for retirement or to pay off your debt. This is a really common dilemma. So be sure to tune in. Be sure to subscribe to the Money Girl podcast so you're always notified when each new episode is available. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickiberg with editorial support from Karen Hertzberg. If you've been enjoying the podcast, everyone at the Quick and Dirty Tips Network would really appreciate you just taking a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That helps new listeners find us and know what the show's all about. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all for now. Talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life.